podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Welsh Forest Focus, a packed show today as we discuss transfer business from Rayner and Forbes to Warrell and Dennis. We'll also preview the FA Cup tie with Bristol City and look at some stats which show where Nottingham Forest have been good and not so good this season. All that in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, afternoon, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. Second guest today is the reason some people might have won a sweepstake on why we were slightly late in Pete Blackburn. Pete, a few technical problems, but you're sorted now. Yeah, okay, a bit red-faced and stressed, but otherwise fine. <laughs> well, no, we got there. We're not too late, like three or four minutes. That's standard. That's on time for us. So, yeah, good to have you with us as ever. Uh, like I say, lots of uh, stuff to get through. A few early hellos. Uh, Robin Hood, uh, Chris, Paul, Dazzler, James, uh, Keith, Steve, Anthony, etc., etc. People uh, from uh, Italy, Japan, Estonia. Actually, lots of different places. Are you addressing all of your children around the world here, Matt? Or are these these Ethiopia, listeners? Ethiopia, my children. <laughs> we just have a global audience, don't we? There we go. Uh, yeah, lots to get through. Uh, Favorite Robin Hood film, Pete? Oh, I mean, Prince of Thieves is a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Temps. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Crow. I was disappointed in the Russell Crowe one. Wow, uh, I wasn't so keen. Got to be Prince of Thieves with uh, mm-hmm. Alan Rickman's death. Like I say, loads to get through when we're talking about Robin Hood, uh, wasting time. We're going to try and pack all this into 45 minutes to an hour or so as ever. Let's start with transfers. Um, Giovanni Reina is probably the most prominent name, Borussia Dortmund forward, who Forrest are trying to sign on loan. Uh, plays across the forward line, right wing, left wing, or number 10. And you might know him as a son of Claudio Reyna, who spent a lot of time in this country for Man City, Everton and Rangers. But there is competition from Marseille and Sevilla, most prominently uh, Marseille, by the sound of it. What do you think about it, Thames? You've watched uh, you've watched some highlights. I've studied some stats and they probably tell a similar picture. But what's your take on him? I like the utility value of Reyna. I think there's been times in recent weeks where we've seen in the absence of um Elanga or, or Gibbs White we've, we've needed to plug someone in and it's been a bit of a bit of a make weight or we've we've, we've lacked something so I, I think his his dexterity in that sense is a is a positive thing Dortmund have a track record as well don't they those all the Bundesliga clubs seem to be pretty hot at um, developing those fellas early 20s who who need to go from raw talent to technical Premier League ready footballers, a bit of a proven training ground. So I, I see the logic of that. I'm glad we're being linked with um, players of a particular age as well. I think that policy has, has served us well in recent years to try and reduce the age profile of the players that are coming in. I also like some of the stuff we're not doing. I think uh, a month ago, we were perhaps going to be chasing a striker quite aggressively at this point. And I think the, the, the type of names have been linked with the suggestive that we don't think that's necessary anymore, that Chris Wood is an adequate backup to Taiwo Wanyi on the flip. Slightly concerned. I'm not hearing too many keeper whispers at the minute. So, yeah, positive on Rayner. Happy with the bits that we're not doing. And I think I, I would be looking out for some movement in the, in the goalie stakes in the next few days. It's an interesting name, Pete Rayner, because um, obviously very talented, he had a banging season in a couple of years ago. I think seven goals and two assists in 22 games where he didn't really start in the Bundesliga. On the flip side of that, he's got injury problems. Uh, loves a hamstring injury by the sound of it and hasn't really got in the in the Dortmund team. But obviously, they're very good. 
it feels like one of those signings with you know a high ceiling and a, and a low floor potentially. So it could go either way. What's your take on it? I agree with both of you. I mean, I, th- I think you're totally right about him having a high ceiling, and um, but it, I suppose it's a sign of where we are as a as a club right now, isn't it? I mean, clearly it's brilliant to be being linked with name, names like like his player of massive ta- potential and huge talent. He's already proven it on on big stages. From what I've seen of him, it looks like he's a good dribbler. It looks like he can pick a pass. He can play across that forward line behind the striker in the system that we're playing currently. Um, I think he'd be a great addition, in certainly in potential terms. There are some downsides that come with him, like you touch on the sort of injury issue. I mean, if you look at his transfer market injury uh, record, it's a pretty long list of muscle muscle issues and such like. But like I say, it's, I think it's a sign of where we are at the time. I mean, realistically... Rainer isn't going to be linked with us coming to us if he's fully fit and has got a couple of seasons of playing lots of football behind him. We're just not there right now. So we have to take gambles in one sense um, with some of the recruitment that we do. And I think it'd probably be a sensible gamble at this point if there's not gigantic finance that we're committed to um, in the short term, in the long term. Um, There are some other issues surrounding him that don't make for great reading with situation with his... Um, his parents and the US national team and stuff that people can read up about that and and educate themselves Um, but like I say I think the the situation we're in is that we we are going to have to take some gambles and he looks like a good one to me I mean his his FB ref profile is is incredible it's just a a long list of green lines where he's in the centre for pretty much every skill in the game um, albeit with a a small sample size so I think it's exciting to be linked with players like him yeah, I think so. The Mendes link is interesting as well. Obviously, he's just changed agents to to Mendes, and maybe we see the the benefits of that uh, arrangement if it if it comes off. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get too um, up or down on any rumor this window because I think last summer I was really guilty of like, oh, this player looks good on YouTube, and uh, Murillo is probably the only one of those that's really come off. So uh, I think you'll definitely be uh, judging players when we see them, but there's certainly on paper stuff to be uh, interesting. There's a lot of debate about Robin Hood films. I've forgotten there were so many. Um, Men in Tides, Errol Flynn, the cartoon one, as someone said, the Disney one. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's good to get lots of different debate uh, in the comments as ever. Let's move on to the second prime, uh, prime name in the list is Carlos Borges or Borges or Forbes, as he now seems to want to be known. But uh, we were linked with him in the summer um, from Man City. He went to Ajax for 10 million and this will be another loan deal. I think he primarily plays on the left wing, but he plays on the right as well. Ajax had a real nightmare season. They're fifth in the Eredivisie. Uh, their fans were basically rioting earlier in the season, so he's not gone into the best environment. Um, but six starts in the Dutch league, one goal, three assists, and six games in the Europa League scored against Marseille. What about this one, Temps? Is it like Pete says, it's kind of indicative of where we are. There's a talented boy in there, but we, we're just taking a bit of a punt if this one comes off. Yeah, I think it's another depth signing, isn't it? Um, to to have some backup behind Alanga and Hudson Odoi when we want to play that shape because we do compromise the threat from both wings when we stick Nico Dominguez in a in, in a kind of false left wing inside left position. So again, I like it. Uh, YouTube footballer in the sense that the highlights are great are there for for all to see. Very comfortable on the ball can can start and stop a defender and has a decent uh, left peg. I'm sure he'd be creative and a useful player to have in a, in a squad that we're clearly trying to, to rebalance. I think 
Nuno will have gone in and, and, and said in a, in a depth sense, at least, where we have too many players and where there's not enough options. And that's been exposed in recent weeks in the absence of um, Gibbs White and, and Elanga in, in particular. So I like it. I, I see the, the the logic of it. But yeah, there's an, there's an element of risk. He's he's not um, set the world on fire in Ajax, despite the the challenges there. His his time at Man City is limited to the to the to the twenty threes. So an unproven uh, player at this this level, but one with the technical facets to 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 do well. I just don't think that the we can't really afford to be a proving ground, can we? It's that rock and a hard place between signing a a, a supposed battle ready footballer. In the Chris Wood John Joe Shelby bracket, or or taking a punt on a on a fella that's uh, you know a little bit a little bit more raw uh, and, and needs some time to 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 come good, but it, it feels like a, a low risk option if this is a half season loan from a, a top European club. One fringe benefit of it, Pete, I hadn't thought of when Temps mentions Dominguez. There, it kind of frees up the Mangala sale slightly more even because you can switch Dominguez back into central midfield. It does look like Mangala's going. So a winger would solve a couple of problems. Is Borges, uh, the, it's interesting what Temps is about, the profile actually of the player and, you know, the, the, the kind of business that we, we have to do. Is, is that kind of where you're at on it? I think so. I mean, I, I, there's an element of desperation about our situation at the moment, isn't there? But I think Temps is right that we can't, you know, we can't afford to make rash decisions at this point so i mean look we we can't be as choosy as we might like to be but we also do need to be making good decisions at this point because clearly we're seriously up against it when it comes to finances but also performance wise on the pitch it's we need we need players to hit the ground running i think but make an interesting point about um, dominguez i I sort of wonder whether rayner's almost more of an uh, an argument for that um than borges as well because He's he's clearly able to play in one of those out wide positions, but drifting inside um, and doing some of that work that Gibbs White um, likes to do, sort of trying to pick pick the pick the lock, I guess. Um, so I think both of them are an argument for that. I don't I don't disagree with anything Temps says about Borges. Um, I think he he's um, it would be pretty mad of me to have a really strong opinion about him, given that I've seen a, a YouTube highlights reel and I looked at a couple of stats that are based on you know fifteen starts in his career or whatever, but. I'm going to say some stuff anyway, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he he would give us a sort of the raw pace ability to get in behind and carry the ball up the pitch quickly that we haven't really got while Anger's out of the team and since we've lost Johnson. Um, I think he could do a lot of those jobs. And also, if you look at those highlights, again, I don't want to read too much into them, but the, the thing, thing he seems to do an awful lot is get behind that fullback and then wh- whip a ball that's pretty hard, drilled across the box. And I think we've seen enough of Taiwo, particularly last season, to see that he's going to be quick enough to get there. And he's also so sharp reacting to those sorts of balls into the box. I think we've had that sort of link up in the past with Johnson and earlier this season with Alanga. And I think that could be really, really promising in, in theory. So I'm, I'm, I'd be pretty interested if that one was to come off for us. Yeah, he is rapid. That's one of the, the things that you know you can discern from any YouTube clip, and he's going to be he's going to be quick and get us up the pitch if he does sign. Uh, thanks to Brendan for becoming a member. Really appreciate that. And let's have a quick plug for our sponsors, the Trent Navigation. What shall we show? Uh, if you want some food before the Bristol City game, then get down there for uh, fish and chips, uh, eight pound fifty as ever. Uh, so yeah, thanks for the support of the Nav. Uh, very much appreciate it as always. Let's talk about some potential outgoings then. Um, oh, one other thing just to say about um, Forbes is that Burnley are keen. 
uh, and that's the Vincent Company link around Man City, which does add a different dimension. But you'd like to think um, that we're slightly ahead of Burnley in terms of the, the project of what Forest can be compared to where Burnley are in the league as it stands. So uh, that was uh, of interest. And also, I read today that Sky said we've got no interest in Trevor Chalabar from Chelsea, who we've been heavily linked with uh, for at least one window, maybe two. Uh, but it doesn't look like there's anything there in that one. Right, outgoings, um, Emmanuel Dennis to Watford uh, on loan for the rest of the season after a pretty miserable stint in Turkey where he played eight games and didn't register a goal. Um, Fabrizio Romano keeps saying he's taken a 70% pay cut, which I do not get because he's contracted to Nottingham Forest. So we, I, I read that as we're paying 70% of his wages because he's still going to want his cash in the bank at the end of the month. Um, what do you think about the deal, Pete, in terms of, Dennis's future at the football club. I guess the best hope for us is he goes and smashes it at Watford and we can probably sell him in the summer. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you put a tweet out, didn't you, asking if he's the last time he's played for Forest or something along those lines. And as far as I see it, the only interest I've got in Emmanuel Dennis now is hoping that he gets a, a good run of games, scores some goals, puts himself back in the picture for a, the sort of level of move that wouldn't leave us too too out of pocket on the accountancy side of things because obviously we've committed to a, a long contract and he's still got value for us in the books. Um, but I, I don't see him having a future here. I'm not going to claim that I knew when he, when we signed him that it was a sort of mad move or anything like that. He obviously had pedigree at the level. Um, but it just it just never looked he never looked like he was going to be a player for us. Really, really odd, odd looking footballer, I thought. Really sort of bumbling quite a lot of the time, couldn't really tell what his position was, um, just really struggled to have a, a major impact in games. Um, so, yeah, as I see it, it's just a, a hope now that he can find some find some form and hopefully what was the place to do that because he's obviously had success there before. Are you any higher up, uh, on Dennis than Pete, Temps, in terms of any future with us and as a player? No, it's done for Dennis at Forest, and, you, and you, you're dead right. That um, reported figure is the discount that Watford have enjoyed in his salary rather than the, the lack of cash going into uh, Dennis's bank account at the end of any particular month. We, we gave him a chance, didn't we? It, it wasn't for the, the lack of giving him a run, giving him consistent minutes from the bench. And we've said it before, the frustration is we know how high his ceiling is. We saw deft touches like the, the headed goal, like the finish against Newcastle from a difficult position, there's a there's a player in there, and the the logic for signing him was sound because he'd performed in an underperforming team in the previous season with with Watford. But if there's one thing we've learned as Forest fans, it's that body of work that's taken place before they arrive at the club has to be discounted when you've watched them for for five, ten, fifteen games, and he he didn't live up to the hype, and he finds himself back where he is now at a level he's comfortable, at a place where he's comfortable. I wouldn't be surprised if he succeeded there, at least in the short term, but I don't think we'll ever see him in a forest shirt again. No. Uh, one interesting caveat I just saw that Greg Oram raises, if we get relegated and he might get uh, a chance, but obviously, yeah, as Greg says, we hope that doesn't happen and that's not one we uh, need to consider. Lots of other names linked with um, moves away before the deadline, which is next Thursday. Um, and Mangala, obviously, we've discussed. Now Napoli are support, supposedly want uh, Leander Dendonka from Villa, which might throw a spanner in the works there. I think we discussed that one at length. Joe Worrell, Sheffield United, uh, are interested, according to um, numerous outlets. Kelvin Wilson on Monday, Pete, was saying, you know, he feels it's time for Joe to move on. I'm sure you're a big admirer of his, but do you kind of see, see that logic now with Joe's uh, status at the club? 
I think so. I, I, I listen to Kelvin with great interest. I think he's, he speaks so well about about football, and obviously, I used to love watching him play as well. Um, amazing seeing that burst of pace when a situation looked so dangerous, and then Kelvin was there just to mop it up nicely. Um, but uh, Temps might still have that in the locker as well because I know he's a player as well. Don't you start? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to be done. Um, yeah, I think uh, mixed feelings about Joe. I, th- I think ultimately it may, it may well just be time time for him to move on, as as Kelvin said. Um, I'll feel sad about it, uh, but I'll certainly wish him all the best. I'm sort of not really interested in all the drama that happened um, in the Forest fan base, reading reading bits and bobs about his supposed attitude and all that sort of stuff. He's been a really, really good footballer for us um, during some pretty grim times and also during some great times. That picture of him on the balcony at the council house is still my phone screensaver. Um and it will probably stay there for quite a while, I think. So, if he, if he goes, I think it's probably it's probably quite a good move for him. Sheffield United it sounds, from what I can gather, like that might well be a real um, opportunity for him. I think it would be a good move. Uh, I, I, just, I think Kelvin's bang on in his analysis about why Joe's probably not likely to feature for us now. Um, but I'd certainly wish him all the, all the very best, and I keep tabs like I, like I often do on some of the Forest players that leave us. This is an entirely frivolous, pointless question, Temps. What's his market value, do you think? Because it would be pure profit for us. Oof, crazy market, mate. Who knows? What do you think? Seven million, eight million. I think he might yeah. be worth more if he played more games, but Sheffield United don't have a lot of money. So, yeah, something like that, I'd say. It's diff- like you say, it's so hard to know. I mean, he's worth what someone will pay for him, but. Yeah, there's a few clubs interested, but they're mostly championship clubs, bar Sheffield United, and I don't think many of them. Like Middlesbrough, I see, haven't really got much cash. The Leicester thing seems like a bit of a, a red flag. So, yeah, something like that, I'd say. Yeah, they'd want him in the side. I get, I get the logic completely. Great character, great leader. And that so many times on, on our journey, he's been a, in a vital cog in it. It's been um, it, it's been hard to watch the, the, the games that he struggled in and... As the conversations that we've had over the past past few months have uh, have racked up, it's just it's become apparent, hasn't it, that we we ourselves have to um, let go of these players that we've idolised for for so long because we're aspiring to to climb the climb through the levels. So yeah, great servant. Hope he uh, hope he plays football. I think he's uh, the type of lad at the type of age with the type of ability um, dictate, dictates he should be playing every week. So yeah, see, see the logic and, uh, we'll, we'll wish him on his way if he gets the, gets the right move. Can we just go back to talking about me and Kelvin Wilson for a bit? <laughs> I can't, no, people really indulged you on Twitter with that goal <laughs> as well. <laughs> you tweeted out. Uh, if you're enjoying this, uh, even the stuff about Temps' footballing ability, if you're enjoying this stream, do us a favour and uh, like and subscribe and uh, appreciate all the reviews that we get on iTunes as well. Um, let's throw a few more names around. Clock's ticking a bit, so I might just kind of alternate names between you. Um, Nuno Tavares, uh, Pete, Marseille want him, according uh, to Fabrizio Romano. We could stand in the way uh, if we send him back and one might butter us up with Arsenal a bit to maybe get frankly someone better what do you think about it I think Temps maybe is a little hotter on Tavares than I am from listening to previous pods I'm not really he's not really for me I don't think particularly for playing four at the back um, I think we've got it's one of the positions where we've got options Toffolo's generally done pretty well when he's played Aino's looked pretty good there um, I think Aino covers some of the skill set that Tavares brings in terms of being able to progress the ball at the pitch carrying it um 
brings a bit of pace, but he's a much better one-on-one defender, I think. Um, Tavares clearly has abilities. He can really sort of change uh, a game the way he drives up the pitch and splits the lines and all that sort of stuff. But it seems to me that when he when he gets into good positions, his decision-making is a bit mad or his executing, execution is a bit mad. Um and he fills me with absolute dread as a defender. So I think if we were playing wing backs, then maybe it'd be different. But for me, it's it's not a concern if he's if he goes. I think he he's, he wouldn't be in my first eleven anyway, um, and I don't think he'd be my second choice left back either. No, I will tell you what, I think he is. I think he's <laughs> nothing to do with his social media. I think he's a player <laughs> who needs to go to a league where a lesser league in a top team in that league where the teams are just dominating, and he's playing really high up the pitch. And not having to defend a lot, I think in our team, I just don't think he particularly uh, like Peter's. I'd rather. I think Ain is ahead of him, and personally, I think Toflo is better. But you know, obviously, we respect what Nuno um, see, sees in him. Uh, Jonathan Panzo, just quickly. I don't think he wants to enter far as Thames, but Panzo, uh, standardly aged, want him a bit like Mighton, isn't he? A victim of promotion, really, because he's probably going to get a chance in the championship, but he needs a move now. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Another one of those surprised how long the contract was, given our ambition at the time, because we're just left with a player that's never going to be a, a Premier League starter and he's so far down the pecking order, he's not even going to be considered from the bench. As, I think he impressed the, the Coventry fans in the time that he, he spent there. So he's um, he's going to make a living, but he's, he's he's not for us. And I'm with you on Tavares. I, I think we, we've got better options now. Nuno made a... Uh, a tough call between two players whilst Aina was at the uh, at AFCON, but I fully expect it for him now to come back into that side. So, yeah, send him back. Let Arsenal do their business because we will be paying wages for a player, and we we don't need the balance of our squad um, to in, to include three potential left backs. So there isn't a great deal between. There's no obvious standard. Uh, last name is Divokarigi, who um, like, looks like he's going to the MLS. Milan want rid of him. I did read that in one piece, I think it was on Sky, that Nuno's a fan of his and would consider signing him. But I don't, you know, it might be a sacrificial lamb to free up some budget around wages. I mean, do you see anything in Origi staying, Pete, or not? Uh, not really, no. Um, I mean, we've seen halfway through a season already, he's made precious little impact in the one, I think, he, is it only one start he's made? Or was it a couple of starts? And certainly in the last start I can remember, it was that, that one sort of engraved in my mind because it was against Fulham and it wasn't it wasn't a pretty uh, pretty night all round. Um, no, I think I think uh, we need we need to free up the wages and and the and the spot in the squad. Um, I don't see him having an impact. I think if we're in trouble and God forbid Taiwo and Chris Wood are both uh, unavailable, I'd probably be tempted to use Alanga or Gibbs White as a false nine ahead of him anyway. To, at this point, um, so I'm perfectly happy to see him go. Hmm. What about you, Temps? Rigi's nowhere near my thought process now that Chris Woods emerged as he had got himself fit, found his torture and, and scoring goals. 
I think if we look at the the cameos he's he's made for us, that there haven't even been flashes, have there? There's perhaps that one shot from the edge of the box early on in the game that he, he started. But no, it's Origi's uh, a, a failed experiment and he won't be a Forest player for much longer. Um, let's move on to FA Cup action then tomorrow evening. Um, Bristol City away. Um, they did well. They beat West Ham in the last round. Obviously, we'll be favourites, Pete. Um, we, we made hard work of, of Blackpool's. We discussed at length. What, what are your initial thoughts on this tie? Um, I guess my initial thoughts primarily that it's not still doesn't really feel like a priority for me given everything else going on but it's obviously happening and I, I um, we'll use my we'll have a look at my lineup later and for, for me the only sort of way of using this game is as a, as a chance to bring relationships further on um build a bit of momentum if if possible I mean on Bristol City I watched the game against West Ham I thought they were really impressive um but their league form doesn't look altogether that great and I think there are some some areas of their team where really we should be looking to dominate and I don't think there's a huge amount to fear and good young players like Tommy Conway and Sam Bell often coming off the bench and such like um, but they don't I, I, I mean I think if Forest uh, are sort of on their game in the way that they were um, going to Blackpool impressively I thought and for the majority of the first game um, before things sort of fell apart then I think it's ours to, ours to win like you, Tim. So you, uh, how are you ranking the FA Cup? I mean, I was really high on the FA Cup when I thought we were pretty much comfortable with relegation. But a bit like Pete, I've got to be honest, it, it's not like massively high in my pecking order at the moment, personally. I think it helps us to find form. I think when we're playing games and feeling confident and, and doing well, it, it breeds more of the type of forest that we want to see, a la Man United Newcastle, where we're going forward and, and taking teams on. And, and less of what we don't want to see, the last 10 minutes against Brentford, for example. I think we are a confident side and I, th- I think it helps to, to, to run your patterns and execute your tactics against lesser opposition. So it's, it's important in that respect. We are not carrying a huge group of players that um, we, we want to rotate and involve. So I, I think it helps us to, to groove a side. And with a new manager coming in, trying to, trying to find his way, trying to get across a positive style of play he he needs games so if it's anything like the previous round Nuno will use it not only as a game to be won but as a means of, of prepping for a really important run of league fixtures so I'm not going to you know be too devastated if we uh, if we exit the competition in whatever circumstances but I think it's a, a useful tune-up for, for more important games. Uh, if our volumes are different, let's put something in the comments. I see someone saying temps was higher, so I just turned him down uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, if, let us know if there's uh, any discrepancies. Right. Uh, I must make a confession that I forgot to do a graphic for Pete's, Pete's team. So I just did it while the lads were talking. So what could possibly go wrong with this? Um, the formation's not quite right, Pete, already, because I just took what was there last time. Right. I think this is what Pete sent me. Um, Turner in goal, Williams right back, Omabamadeli, Murillo, Toffolo. Uh, it should have Mangala and Yates sitting, and then Danilo slightly more advanced, Dominguez, Hudson Adoy, and Wood. I mean, just start us off, Peter. Those are the 11 names that you think you might have sent me, and then talk around the team. Remarkably enough, I think they are the 11 names, so well played. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a huge amount of talking points um, in the team or not, really. I, I think this is sort of more or less the strongest team available. Um, I'm sticking with Turner and goal because 
I can't bear to talk about the have that sort of debate anymore, and I've I've sort of stuck my neck out for Turner, and I'm just I'm just continuing with that. Hopefully, that he can build a bit of confidence, and and that relationship with the defense can grow. Um, the fullbacks are the two that I think are our best two fullbacks. I think a lot of people would disagree with that. Um, Montiel's obviously had a couple of bright moments setting up goals, particularly for Dominguez. Um, but he worries me a little bit. I think his d- discipline's a little bit, sh- a little bit um, up and down, um, and he's made mistakes that have led to goals as well. I mean, I guess who hasn't? But Williams, when he's played recently, I think he's looked like a real terrier, and I think he adds something to the team. Um, him and Yates give us a bit of bite and just a real sort of intensity that sometimes we can lack. Um, and Toffolo just—he he generally seems pretty, pretty solid when when he's played for us. I don't think he deserves to be out of the team. Um, and he's a, he's a he's a steady player both both in defence and and attack. Otherwise, I think it's probably uh, the sort of relatively likely um, first choice lineup. Um, albeit people might be in slightly different positions. Um, I'm not sure if there's any any other talking points for me. Uh, I'll throw a few names around. Did you send me a lineup, Tem? So I have been done loads of prep for this episode apart from the lineups. Did you send me one? No, I don't think you asked me, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue for too much. Um, other than what Pete's articulated there, there's there's some very close calls to make at fullback. But you look at the shape of that side, and it's obvious how it's going to improve. You bring in Tywo, you bring in Gibbs White, you bring in Ilanga, and those those three players are critical for our, our, our potency in the in the final third. Omar Bamadeli, fair play, established himself there. He's he's earned the chance to have a run, and he's definitely one of the players that's benefited from having a cup replay and. And, and this game here, he's uh, he's he's played his way in, and I hope he can hone that partnership with with Murillo. But difficult to argue against what Pete selected. Uh, a couple of names we're going to ask about: um, Aguilera, Pete, a case to start him, or uh, do you still want to get games into Hudson Adoy and try and boost his his form? And not that he's playing badly, but I think he just benefits from a run of games. Yeah, I mean, pretty much exactly that thought process. Um, Aguilera is clearly a, a talented talented player, but I think we saw against Brentford the sort of other side to to the game, his game, than we did against Blackpool. So they, there's he has a he has the sort of tools I think to to change a game potentially. He's clearly got a, a sharp left foot and a bit of vision about him, and also a sort of desire to get balls into the box and to do things creatively. And he didn't look sort of terrified by the occasion of playing in the first team, which he also hasn't done a, done much of. But against Brentford, he was pr- he was pretty loose when he came on, a little bit frantic, perhaps so slightly sort of overawed by the occasion. I might be I might be reading an awful lot too much into the into that. Um, but for me, he's someone to have around, someone to keep in the squad, and someone to use if the opportunity presents itself in this game. Either because hopefully not, but we need a change, or um, because we're we're cruising and it's an opportunity to give him some minutes. Um, so yeah, he he doesn't start for me, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have him involved. Uh, I'd also play Turner in goal. I was just thinking we need to probably just stick with one now. I think yeah, a few people saying Hennessy. I mean, I don't, I, I just don't think he's any better than what we've got. Um, you know, he's obviously got a body of work behind him, but I think it's just Turner or replacement for me personally now. The other name I was going to ask about, um, Pete's touched on Temps, was Montiel versus Williams. It's quite interesting. Like Montiel feels nailed in the team. But he was at fault for a goal against Brentford when he lost me. He was at fault for a goal against Blackpool where he headed it pretty horribly. Uh, he loves a yellow card. He didn't play very well against Blackpool in the fir- in the first game, but then he was great against Man U and Newcastle. 
Um, if Nico had le- played as Montiel had in the last three games, I think there'd be people demanding he be dropped. Where are you at on, on those two? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think many of us had formed our opinion that Nico is effective wing-back with a back three and less so flat-back four, but against less opposition, he certainly gives you an attacking option. And he's, he's probably not quite as quick as Jed Spence, but he certainly has that ability to, to, to recover position. He's the better crosser of the ball. Montiel perhaps looking for that inside pass. Uh, his, his wing play is, is, is quite basic. He's a willing, overlapping runner, but he's not a dribbler. He's not going to carry the ball in quite the same way that, that Nico Williams is. Williams gives you the chance to have another gear and press press a lot higher, almost become a, a more natural um, additional midfielder if, if we're attacking down his flank. So I think that's the, that's the argument. Montiel is probably the more natural, complete defender. Williams, perhaps the more rounded footballer because of the attacking threat that he possesses. But I, I can understand how they'll both have a role to play between now and the end of the season. You don't particularly want your right back abandoning his post against top six opposition. But if, you, if you're being more adventurous, then yeah, he's got an assist in Nico. I think his delivery is uh, really good, decent international experience and yeah, deserves, deserves a run. Tough call that. Different profile of players. As I said before, I think there'll be a time for both of them. Yeah, I don't think it's the open and shut case that it, it might appear that, you know, Montiel's the, the better player. I mean, he's got the, the, the CV with, the, you know, obviously the World Cup and the Europa League and all that stuff, but I think Nico's been doing well. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting battle for the rest of the season going forwards. Um, um, Dazzler in the comments pointed out about Ethan Horvath potentially going to Cardiff. I forgot about that one earlier as well. Uh, I think that one might well happen. A player who, you know, we could do with getting off the books, I guess, if he's not going to play and he needs games as well himself. Um, I just wanted to, we've got about 10 or 15 minutes to go. I want to look at some interesting stats. I know stats aren't for everyone, but Mark uh, Southern's dropped some good ones in the WhatsApp group that kind of really demonstrate the good and bad of Forest this season. So I was just going to go through a couple of those um, with the lads. So interestingly, the, the good ones we'll start with. In terms of since Nuno took over, uh, expected goals conceded, Forrester only a fifth in the Premier League, only behind Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City. And there's another good one around strikers. But just on that, Temps, that kind of says to me, like, we're actually defending quite well, but we're having individual ricks or moments of concentration where we're really shooting ourselves. And that's just a recurring pre-Nuno theme as well all season, isn't it? Exactly that. I think the the blend of the players we've got in there, uh, the, the shape, the organisation is as good as it's been in a long time. But you always do this when you're looking at a, a goal that your, your team's conceded. You, you, you tend to um, batter your defensive position rather than applauding what the what the opposition have have done. I suppose a, a case in point being the Morpai goal against Brentford. They would have seen that as an individual bit of genius from... Um, from their man, whereas we're giving the defenders a bit of a kick in for not being close enough and, and not affecting his balance, the ball, or or, or anything at a, a critical point inside our own inside our own box. So, yeah, I'm I'm perhaps less of a um, stat man than than, than Mark Southerns is. Um, I like, is. I, yeah, well, quite, yeah. That's that's why he's so good at FPL, right? So it does um, it, it does bear out. But for me, I'd yeah prefer just to describe what I'm seeing with my own eyes and try and try and make sense of it in that way. 
And using that method, yes, we are making silly individual errors that are leading to, to, to goals. But um, yes, stats are relative. And if you find yourself as a, an outlier in, in any particular uh, metric, you have to take steps to address it. Yeah. I'm going to get a, I'm, that's a LinkedIn phrase, isn't it? I'm going to get a kick in for that. <laughs> no, you, you're more of an eye test person, which is, yeah, I think stats are kind of indicative of performance over time. They're not perfect at all. Like I remember, um, I'm sort of an XG convert compared to others, but like the Villa game where we won, theirs was significantly higher than us and we were the better team in that game. But over a period of time, I think it it tells a tale. I mean, there's another one here around uh, errors defensively. Um, Murillo, since Nuno arrived, 27 clearances, only Thiago Silva's made more in the Premier League, but Murillo's only won three of his 10 aerial duels. And Mark says, uh, the data shows how woefully weak we are at the back against an aerial threat, which is kind of, what we knew, but um, yeah, it does does back it up certainly. Let's I talk about you'll back that one up as well, Matt. Oh God, yeah, and Jao Pedro when heading one in from yeah. Uh, well, loads of aerials. God, that Blackpool goal at the far post as well. There's too many of them to mention. Um, but we are uh, equally we do have um, some really good points this season. I put a tweet out earlier around um, Wood and a Wanyi. Just shows how deadly they've been, really. Premier League strikers who've played more than 500 minutes this season. Chris Wood's the most lethal in the Premier League, 38.1% uh, shots um, finished off. And then Taiwo, 33%. Other Premier League strikers relatively shows how elite our players have been in front of goal. Um, Alexander Isak, 27%. Erling Haaland, 24%. Kelvin Wilson, Kel yeah, um, Callum Wilson, not Kelvin Wilson, <laughs> 22 percent i had to think there myself and then another quick wood stat um that shows how good he's been um his his shooting accuracy 57.1 percent on target is second only to evan ferguson in the premier league for strikers who played a significant amount of time it kind of sums up the tale of the story doesn't it? the story of the season a bit i think p like we have been really good in front of goal but we we have these obvious errors uh, and it's because it's just a case of Nuno being given time to try and iron out the the negatives and and um, just reinforce the positives. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm I'm still sort of reeling from you sending me this massive dossier of Mark stats. It was like being plugged into the Matrix or something with binary flowing everywhere. <laughs> um, I'm not absolutely no no stats expert, but I mean, I think some of those tell a pretty obvious story, like you say. I mean, when it comes to the eye test, it doesn't take a genius to see that we've made some pretty significant and quite constant individual and collective errors that i mean Thames is totally right there were sort of there's a bias to us as fans watching our own team picking on picking on things more than perhaps we would do if we were neutrals but again but you know i think the point stands um some of the defending and not just from the defenders has been pretty atrocious um and clearly there's a, a real sort of weakness and we've talked about that sort of fragility in the team before i'm, ho I'm hopeful that some of those things are addressed by players coming back. You, you would hope that there's impact to be had from Bolly returning, particularly aerially, maybe Sangari being more of a presence. And also uh, with Gibbs White and Alanga still to come, and I will need to come back into the team, we're going to have more of the ball and be using it even better. Um, so hopefully there'll be less less defend, emphasis on the defending as well. Um, so I'm pretty hopeful. I think that we can we can take some sort of quite positive lessons from from those stats, and I guess on on a sort of personal note, I should probably apologise to Chris Wood because I think I like many of us have been uh, sort of fairly critical of him over his time at Forest, not so much recently, clearly, um, but he's really really proving people wrong. 
and the finances of the deal may not may still turn out not to be great. Um, there was an air of desperation about us, I suppose, but he's been he's been fantastic, and we've we've pretty quickly come to a position where I'm excited about him being in the team rather than thinking, oh, we've got Wood and we're, we're going to struggle without without Tyler up there. Um, so he's he's been fantastic. Which leads into a question that a few people are commenting. Um, Simon uh, in the comments says we need to offer him a contract extension and Toby asking, would you give him a contract extension? His deal's up in the summer temps. Uh, in fact, I'll ask both of you just just quickly. Obviously, he's a veteran, but he's playing as well as any Premier League striker at the moment. Would you offer him a, another deal or not? Chris would get another year for me. If within that there's a, there's a trigger on appearances or goals for a further year, then, then, then fine. I think it's uh, it's reward for the results and the, the the goals that he's been scoring for for Forest this season. We we need backup, and I think we spoke about this at the time, didn't we? We when he came in, we saw him as a natural replacement for Tywo. We watched him a bit cl- more closely and, and realised they did profile slightly differently. But we we found out how to how to use him now. We found out that he's a target man's the wrong word. He's a penalty box player. You give him the ball at his feet in the penalty box, he'll find a way to get his shots off. He can beat a man. The left peg is quite deft and his, his head's a weapon. So he, he gets an extension for me. If it's if it's two years, fine. If it's a year with a with an option or a, or a trigger, fine. But I'd, I'd be disappointed if Chris Wood wasn't in our squad next season off the back of his form in the last 10 games. Pete's internet gremlins have returned. So we'll see if he if he comes back. But if not, then uh, we'll crack on with uh, just me and Temps for about, only about 10 more minutes anyway. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's certainly earned another year um, based on what he's what he's done. I think Pete switched to his phone. Hello, Pete Blackburn. All right, sorry about that. I think someone didn't want me to air my views about Chris Wood because I got kicked straight out after that. <laughs> Would you give him another contract or not? Turn your phone. Oh, uh, I didn't. Well, I didn't hear what Temp said now, so I feel like I, I haven't got him to sort of hide behind, um, which is a bit disappointing. Um, I think I might want some convincing on the finances because from what we hear his wages are pretty uh, pretty vast but i think you'd have to say that he's he's earned uh, another year here and ultimately we wouldn't have to pay the transfer fee and the big outlay i don't think we would need to give him a massive signing on fee and a new contract um and you know if taiwo sticks around then we can't necessarily carry um lots of strikers of that sort of level um on that sort of contract so i'd certainly be tempted um, try and turn your phone sideways so we can see you in all your glory, Pete. Sorry. Oh. Is your phone locked? Oh, this is going well, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, we okay. do need well, an IT manager on this podcast. There you go. There Yay! <laughs> right, last stat before we just go on to any other business quickly. I mean, obviously, it's going to be around goalkeepers, but just to demonstrate what we kind of already know. This was what Mark sent, dropped in. I think this is from uh, either FPL Black Box, but it might be from Fantasy Football Scout. So a credit to them. And if you do play FPL, then do invest some time. And if you have it cash in uh, in either, well, in either of those, actually. Right, this is goalkeepers, and it's sorted by expected goals prevented. Um, and you can see uh, Mark Flecken at the top has let in eight, uh, eight more goals than you should have done, basically, based on shot saved. Then it's Sam Johnson of Crystal Palace. And then it's our two lads, Turner and Vlacodimos, have let in. Um, they're uh, minus 4.5 and minus 4.1, respectively, in terms of goals prevented. You don't need to be an expert in um, XGC for that. You can just see they've, they've basically massively underperformed. I mean, if you combine them into one goalkeeper, it would be um, minus 8.6, which is the worst 
uh, record in the league. And as Mark pointed out, I think um, Dean Henderson is on plus one or something like that. So basically with these two in goal, you could argue, and again, it's not bulletproof, but we've let in nine more goals than we might have done if we'd had a fit Dean Henderson in goal. Anything to to add on that, Temps? It really does tell the story that we already knew, but it's just a weakness that's really surely it's got to be addressed this month now. Exactly that. I think this is this is insight, which just backs up the instinct we all have that we're watching goalies who aren't as good as other goalies we've seen play for Forest in recent years. So what do we do? We address it through recruitment. You're not going to teach Matt Turner to kick a ball. You're not going to teach positioning to um, Lokodimos. It's time to sign another goalkeeper. It's going to make a difference. The Mark Southern, FPL, Stato, geniuses of this world have quantified it into that number of goals that we've conceded. Um, beyond what what par would be so that backs up everything we're all seeing we need to sign a keeper yeah yeah i mean it just basically means that they they rate each shot on the percentage of how you should you know how many times it should go in and our keepers are letting them in a lot more than they should basically doesn't tell us uh, anything we don't already know really but uh, i thought it was of interest anyway and those stats in general uh, tell a decent tale. Just quickly to finish uh, on AFCON, it's Ivory Coast versus Senegal in the second round. Uh, so that's uh, Aurier, Bolly and Sangare versus Niakate and Czech Koyate, basically. The game's played one day before the Arsenal game, so uh, I can't imagine any scenario where any of the losing side plays against Arsenal, but it means they should be back for Bournemouth, which is uh, one game earlier than we thought they might be back uh, from AFCON. Any preferences, Pete, on you know uh, which players we want back there? Yeah, I think it'd be ideal for Ivory Coast to go out at this point. I think our, our most pressing requirement is for Bolly to be back in the team in games where we face a, an Ivan Tony like striker. It would make the defence team feel a lot more secure. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Amabamadeli, who I think has been been really, really decent. Um, but he's a presence. I think he's the, the best aerial defender that we've got. And I think alongside Murillo, he can make a bit of a difference there. Um, I'm also sort of continue to be hopeful about Sangari and what he might bring to the team, even though there's not a great deal of evidence for that from his spell here so far. But he should he should bring ability and presence and athleticism. Um, so I think that would be the ideal result for us from my point of view. Yeah, Sangari coming back would be um, of benefit for me, for sure. Just on the Akate, I know he's not played since the first group game. He went off with an ankle injury, but Nuno quoted the saying before this game um, that yeah, it's nothing to worry about. I think that was basically what he said. So, yeah, we shall see on that front. Uh, I need to check out uh, when Olorena might be back. Nigeria got through. Uh, I think they've got Cameroon, which is a tough tie. So we should uh, potentially have Olorena back. Although I've seen some of the goals Cameroon have let in this tournament, so I'm not quite uh, convinced on that front. The other interesting line from the press conference temps was, I put in the heading for this uh, episode, Nuno saying that we will be busy in the transfer window and we need to be busy. So I guess are we because we haven't signed you one, are you pretty fearful that we're gonna? it's all going to go down to deadline day next Thursday and we'll be talking about a lot of transfers late in the window again? It has to, because you only get honest valuations when there's time pressure. That's That's why you forego two, three, four games that you're going to play during the transfer window to get best value for the players that you're chucking out and honest value for the players that you, you're coming in. That's that's part of the game. That's what this window system has created. It, it's uh, it, it's designed to have a frenetic period of activity 
And I, I think the, um, the 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 ownership method has been put out put out there before, hasn't it? In describing the Sangare transfer, we wait till late. We wait till a lot of um, uh, teams have found their option. There's less competition for a player, and we think we can find honest value that can work for you, that can work against you. I think the January window is even more pressured than the than the summer window because there isn't that shake up of promotion and relegation, which puts so many players on the on the market. But yeah, Nuno said it, and he knows more than more than anybody else what's going off behind the scenes. There's there's clearly going to be a bit of a revolving door, but I, I think it will all all be in a a short, intense um, period, right at the back end. Right, I think that covers all the ground we were going to cover. Good to have 467 people with us as it stands. So do us a favour if you haven't hit like already, uh, just hit like. That would really help us out. Uh, any other business? Anything to add before we depart, Pete? Uh, not a great deal, no. Just uh, quite positive about tomorrow. Um, fingers crossed we go out there with the same sort of intent and confidence that we did against Blackpool. I was really impressed with the the sort of mental side of the game from from the players going in in those sort of conditions, which you would you know you often hear us talk about teams not really being up for it and that sort of thing. So to go with that sort of sort of attitude and intent, I think we'll we can get a result and hopefully, as Temp said, use that as momentum and grow something into this into these coming games. Uh, anything for you to depart, Temps? Well, just an appeal to ITV4. I think the convenience of watching the Blackpool replay on on uh, on that channel was uh, was incredible. So if there is any UK rights holder out there that can make it easy for us all to watch this game, that'd be much appreciated. Yes, absolutely. I'll echo that. Uh, anything from me, I was going to say, is lots of good feedback for the episode we did two days ago with uh, Forest fan Ruby Naylor about uh, growing up in the States and the kind of study she's doing around English fan culture versus uh, American fan culture. So check that out if you haven't. People really loved uh, that. And also yesterday we did a good one with Tom Colomossi just on uh, how Nuno operates, comparing him to a school teacher and how the players have uh, that kind of, not fear, but respect for him and the differences between how he and Steve Cooper operate uh, and some general uh, transfer chat as well. And I said I, I give a plug to someone called uh, Chris Pache, who is uh, a listener who lives in California, who messaged on Instagram saying it would make his day. So not everyone, please don't flood me with names saying, please give me a shout out, but uh, I can do the odd one uh, from time to time. Like I say, thanks very much for your company. We'll be back uh, tomorrow post-match with uh, Chris Aylmer. And I think it's Mikey's debut on these post-match streams. And uh, hopefully he's, well, Mikey unfiltered on the final whistle can be quite full on. So hopefully he takes a breath before he comes on here. Uh, but do check us out for, for that. And then we'll be dead busy next week around deadline day uh, and Arsenal. And then it's Bournemouth as well. So it'll be a packed week. Uh, Pete, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, temps thank you see you fellas yeah thanks very much for watching everyone uh, have a good day uh, enjoy the game tomorrow and then we shall be back uh, to review the match in the meantime we shall see you soon sports social podcast network